Hey everyone, I'm Bobby Sylvester, and we have a start-sit show coming out for week two, but first, a quick word from the sponsor of today's show, SeatGeek.com. Buying tickets to sports and concerts can be complicated, but there is a better, simpler way to buy with SeatGeek.com. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to live events. With SeatGeek's seamless mobile experience, you can buy and sell tickets in just two taps. SeatGeek helps you find the best tickets at the best prices, fully guaranteed, and there's nothing quite like seeing your favorite team or musician in person, and SeatGeek is going to get you closer to the action for a greater value. I've got the SeatGeek app on my phone. It's by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere with just a few taps, and I can instantly find seats. In fact, I was surfing SeatGeek the other day, found some sweet tickets just a few rows behind home plate at the Cardinals game for a killer price. SeatGeek's designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever and to get you the most bang for your buck. SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Make SeatGeek your go-to app for finding the best deals on every type of ticket, from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. And best of all, my listeners get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app now and enter the promo code FANTASYPROS today. That's promo code FANTASYPROS for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All right, let's talk some football. Welcome back to the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. I'm Bobby Sylvester with Mike Tagliere, as always. And Tags is actually going to be flying solo here for a few weeks once we add baby number three to the Sylvester family, which could happen any day here, maybe even any hour. Yeah, it seemed like you weren't even going to be here for this show. So, I mean, whatever the case is, I'm going to be here to, I mean, I hope Bobby listens in because we're going to have some fun at his expense uh, while he's out. You will not be having fun at my expense while I'm out. I will jump on the podcast in the middle. If I sense anything going wrong, I will defend myself. (laughs) This is good. It's going to be so good. You know, and I'll be uh, publishing my rankings every week and uh, writing a few articles. So you can keep your eye on my Twitter at Bobby Fantasy Pro and Mike is at Mike Tagliere NFL. Our guest today is Jim Sanis of NumberFire.com. So, Jim, how'd you enjoy that uh, wild week one with like 12 of the top 20 fantasy players being no-namers? Well, first of all, Bobby, congrats uh, on uh, baby number three. That's awesome. Happy to hear that. Hopefully all goes well uh, there. But yeah. yeah, I mean, week one was weird and kind of weird in a good way, I guess. There was a lot. If you subscribe to the, you know, fade the chalk, uh, you know, idea in DFS, it was awesome. So, it was a little bit weird from a season-long perspective and a lot of frustrating Jesse James touchdowns. But beyond that, I thought it was kind of enjoyable. I don't know, man. It was just – it was horrible seeing all those wild touchdowns. Like, you know, you mentioned Jesse James and a couple other random guys. Fowler got in there twice yeah, for twice, touchdowns. Yeah. He was on nobody's radar. Uh, it's just bizarre how this happens. But I need to make an announcement for everybody listening. We have got so many crazy questions on Twitter. I don't want to be mean, but like people – Don't drop Tyler Eifert. Don't do stupid stuff like that that is going to ruin your fantasy season. Week one, don't overreact. Like, it doesn't change our rankings that much. There's a few guys who have moved up quite a bit. A few guys that I'm less excited about, like Amir Abdullah, who we mentioned last week. But, like, nobody has moved substantially down the list that you would drop a fourth rounder or even, like, an eighth rounder at this point in the season. Right, Tags? I Yes, I do. Because if we went off basically off week one, what we would have is a whole bunch of Chiefs on our roster. That's like how things would go. <laughs> yeah. Like Alex Smith would be the number one quarterback. Now, this is a funny thing. I actually mentioned this on SiriusXM this morning. Who would have thought 
that when watching that Thursday night game, that we would have the number one quarterback, the number one running back, and the number two wide receiver come from that game, and none of them were Patriots. <laughs> I have no, yeah. I literally have people now asking me if they should trade away AJ Green because Andy Dalton looked bad in one game. Guys, I know we touted Andy Dalton all offseason as a late round pick, and I'm standing by that. He had a bad game against a good Ravens defense. I'm not giving up. He has another tough matchup this week. I'm sure we're going to talk about that on this show, but I just want to relax. Like, you know, the Aaron Rodgers thing, R-E-L-A-X, relax. That's That's basically what I want to put out there. I was hoping you'd get through that spelling without messing up, man. I, I, <laughs> sounded, I, no, it sounded a little sketchy at you first. You know what's, know what's weird? Is like, <laughs> I, I've always been the type where I could like I could spell anything on paper, but when it comes to saying it out loud, I always, I always yeah, struggle man. with it for whatever reason. It's I don't tough. know why. That, that's why I never try to spell things uh, you know, when, <laughs> when we're on air. No, no math and no spelling. Then you're okay. Yeah. So it was one of the wildest weeks, like I mentioned. We do have some brief injury updates. Uh, nothing too much to talk on. Danny Woodhead out four to six weeks with the hammy. Uh, the Cardinals say they expect David Johnson to be back around Christmas. Guys, that's week 15. <laughs> Man. That is not good. That is not good. I changed my mind. I would not trade uh, Amir Abdullah for, for David Johnson now. I'd probably drop David Johnson at this point. I, I don't know. I, maybe you can trade him for something, but if you can't, I'd just go ahead and drop him. Um, CJ Fedorowicz headed to the IR with another concussion. He's hardly fantasy relevant anyway. The one that catches my eye the most is actually that Jarrell Freeman of the Bears is headed to the IR. Mm -hmm. I think this now makes them maybe the easiest team in football to run on. Uh, what part of this news stands out to you, Jim? Yeah, I think that with the the David Johnson part, it's so hard to decide if you should hold on to him. And I'm kind of with you where you probably do have to drop him if you can get a trade partner because holding him on your bench until December means you're holding him for the rest of the regular season, essentially. And it's not going to matter in the playoffs if you don't make the playoffs. And right now is when we need those bench spots so desperately. So unfortunately, it hurts, but I would probably be on board with you, you know, dropping him, unfortunately, because that's just it's it's so painful. But I think you have to do it to get that bench spot back. You know, plus he comes back in week 15. And what are they going to do? Give him 20 touches? Right. Well, that's the thing. If the Cardinals here, hold on a second. Like this, this is where it all comes down to. Are the Cardinals a playoff team without David Johnson? That's the question, because if they're not, David Johnson will not come back in week 15. Why are you going to bring your superstar back, get him back from his injury surgery for, for a couple of weeks that mean nothing to your team? If they're a playoff team, yeah, but there's no way to tell that. I mean, from week one, Matt Stafford cost me a lot of money in DFS this week, and I'm not really happy about it. I don't know if you guys can hear that through the microphone. Uh, but, you know, I, I just I don't have any faith in this team right now. Uh, Tyron Matthew seems like he's not the same player that he was a couple of years ago. Patrick Peterson, he he's he's like what they have. Losing Calais Campbell was massive to mm -hmm. this defense. You Huge. know, they have to rebuild. That's what it comes down to is this Cardinals team. Carson Palmer, the dead arm syndrome and all, all this stuff. There, there's so much going on here. I just the reason I would trade away David Johnson is because I don't think he plays this year. Someone asked me earlier, should I trade David Johnson for Frank Gore? I was like, well, they're both kind of useless right now. So right. I don't I don't think I would do that. Um, yeah. But try and find the guy in your league who's always in the playoffs. And I, I promise you that that guy will probably give you something for David Johnson. And if you're in a That's keeper, a and if you're in a keeper league and if you're like, you know what, maybe I'll just sacrifice one year to get David Johnson for a cheaper price. You can go out there and trade for David Johnson. If someone's like, oh, I need to win this year and I can't hold on to this guy, then you should think about trading for David Johnson. Like how much would you trade for him in a keepers league? I got a trade offer yesterday in a dynasty league of Marcus Mariota. And I think it was Frank Gore for, uh, for David Johnson. And I almost threw up on the screen. So don't give like these ridiculous low ball trade offers yeah. in, a, in a dynasty league. But I mean, if it's a keeper league, 
he's going to be the, one of the top guys again next year. So mm-hmm. if you're punting this year already, which I would never do at this point, then I'd be willing to go pretty high for him. Jim, what do you say? DeAndre Hopkins for David Johnson straight up in a dynasty league? Yes yeah. or no? Oh, a dynasty league? Uh, I would go with David Johnson there. Okay. Okay. What about you, Tags? Is that, is that even close for you? It is close, actually, because I think Don, DeAndre Hopkins is really talented. I don't like that he signed the extension in Houston because that means he's tied to Houston. <laughs> well, Deshaun Watson threw him 51% of the targets when he took over. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm not a huge Deshaun Watson fan. And I think that's what it comes down to. But I, I do believe in I, I do believe in Hopkins' talent and David Johnson. What is he going to be? 27 next year? Is that what he's going to be? Because he was one of the older running backs despite not playing too much. So that's, yeah. the, that's the concern is he was older when he came into the league. I, I That's really close for me. Uh, I think I'd pick Johnson, but yeah, I think it's pretty close. Yeah, I, I agree. I'd probably pick Johnson as well, just because Hopkins is kind of useless. I mean, I'd not say useless this year, but he's not great this year. He's like a, a low end wide receiver, too. So, yeah, I'd probably go Johnson there, but it is close. So today we're going to be talking about our rankings and especially start sit decisions. We're going to go position by position. So let's start here at running back and tags. I know you want to talk about Leonard Fournette a little bit. I do. I, I want to talk about Fournette, and I was curious to hear your take on this, Jim. Because okay, first I am a big Leonard Fournette fan. I think everybody listening to the show knows that. You know, on the live show that we had Sunday morning, I was telling people to plug him into lineups. When you get a guy that talented, getting that many carries, he's going to break something because he's just a big play waiting to happen. With that being said, Jim, I want to know how you feel about him going forward because there is no other talent on this team uh, with Allen Robinson going down. This is going to bring a lot of eight-man fronts his way. And granted, do I think he's talented enough? Do I think he's going to get the volume? Yeah. But is he kind of like a sell high right now? I mean, obviously people are going to play him in their season-long leagues, but is Leonard Fournette a sell considering the problems that that he's going to have to deal with throughout the rest of the year? Yeah, my style for fantasy football is always situation over talent. Like I want to attach my running backs to high efficiency quarterbacks. I want to attach them to just talented offenses that will score points. And he's going to get a ton of volume, which is awesome. But like you said, there's not a whole lot popping there. Blake Bortles, very questionable. And you can't expect Bortles or Chad Henney eventually at some point, maybe, to be efficient without Allen Robinson there. So I would agree. I think I'm selling high. As long as you're not, you know, settling, I guess, because he got a ton of volume and he is going to continue Mm -hmm. to get a ton of volume. He'll have a super high floor every single week. And that is valuable in fantasy football. So don't take a low ball offer. You know, if you're selling high, make sure you are actually selling high. Make sure you are selling based on a high carry back in a bad offense. I think that this is kind of like a situation the same way I view Carlos Hyde, except Fournette is above Carlos Hyde. View him in a similar light, though. Great running back, a lot of volume on a bad offense. That's kind of the mindset I'd have in mind with uh, Fournette. You know, I've got him number five the rest of the season. Um, I mean, you look at it, you you watch this game. He was going against a great Texans defense, and he looked awesome. He's not going to go against those type of defenses. I think Tennessee's run defense is almost as good as Houston, so it's probably not going to be a huge week. But it still could be even against them. If he had gone against a mediocre defense with the way he was running, he could have been the second best running back in the week behind Kareem Hunt. So I've got him behind Le'Veon Bell, Zeke, Devontae Freeman, and uh, and LaShawn McCoy. And that's it. I've got him ahead of Kareem Hunt, Melvin Gordon, Jay Ajayi, uh, Todd Gurley, all those guys. And this week I have him at number 10. It's not even close to a sit for me if that's what you're getting at. Well, here's my question to you guys. 
Who would you start this week? Leonard Fournette against Tennessee, who, by the way, Tennessee's really good. Some people have kind of overlooked how good their front seven is. That's why I, I labeled it's extremely Marshawn good. Lynch. Yeah, I labeled Lynch as kind of like a sit last week. I mean, he wasn't like a sit sit if you didn't have any other options. But if you have Leonard Fournette and Mike Gillisley, who are you starting this week? Gillisley, by the way, is part of an over under that's 54 and a half a game against the Saints where the Patriots are going to score a lot of points. I've got Gillisley at 16, so I'm starting Fournette. I would start Fournette there too because Gillisley's snap rate last week, I know it was because of game flow when they were down, but that could happen against New Orleans too. So I would go for yep. net there because of the guaranteed snap rate that he has. That's closer for me. I, I mean, this is something that I was internally debating and I thought people out there may actually have Fournette and Gillisley. So I thought it was a good question. The next guy I want to talk about, Bobby, let's start with you. Like we all watched the Saints, right? We saw that game. It was not a pretty situation with between Adrian Peterson, between Alvin the Kamara. The AP death stare. Yeah. I might change one of my team names to that because that was a great face. That was like fighting face. Like, I, you know, in my younger days, there's there's certain looks you give a man. And that's a that, that was a look like, I'm going to fight you like right here, right now. I bet it, Sean Payton was actually scared. And Sean Payton's like, I don't think anything really scares him. That face would that face scared me through the TV. 100%. But with that being said, how do you feel about Mark Ingram this week? Do you sit him with all the confusion or do you play him in a game that has this high over under a 54 and a half? Because Ingram, he's kind of the guy that he's going to be involved. He's in the prime yep. of his career. Alvin Kamara is a rookie. Adrian Peterson, he may be done. We don't know. We only saw him for a couple snaps. I think he played nine snaps during that game. So, you know, how do you feel about Mark Ingram as a sitter start this week? Unless you're absolutely loaded at running back, I'm starting Mark Ingram. I've got him number 24 for running backs. I mean, you can play him in the flex if you want. He's the only guy I really trust in that offense right now. I love Adrian Peterson, but after that, I guarantee he's not getting carries this week. Not that many, at least. I mean, he might get a goal line carry or two, sneak into the end zone. Uh, I've got Alvin Kamara at 45 and AP at 43. So there's sits for me. But Mark Ingram, he's kind of matchup proof. Uh, he's game script proof. I, mm-hmm. I trust him. He's number 24. What about you, Jim? Yeah, the five targets for me, I like that for Ingram. But Kamara yep. had six and Kamara had more snaps. So I am kind of in a sit until I have more clarity situation with okay. Mark Ingram. Um, I know that the total is great and I love that, but I really want guaranteed volume in season long leagues. And I don't think there's really a guarantee with Ingram right now. So for right now, I want to sit and see what happens uh, just because that snap rate really did worry me. So who are you starting over him? Like Jonathan Stewart, Amir Abdullah, Bilal Powell, who also is in a timeshare? Not uh, not Amir Abdullah because I hate his game script for this week and I hate his matchup. Yeah. So not him. Powell's interesting because uh, the Jets are a bad offense. So it's kind of like uh, the upside is so different between Ingram and Powell. But I think that I might, honestly, and this is probably stupid, I might go Jay Stu over Ingram uh, just because okay. of the way the game script sets up in that game against Buffalo. I've got Stewart one spot behind, so I don't think it's stupid at all. I just, uh, you know, there's a lot of guys that it's just like, I mean, you could make a case for anyone between number 20. I have Thomas Rawls at 20, by the way. I think he comes back against a horrible San Francisco run defense and and gets a lot of touches. Oh, Jim and I were talking before the show. What do you do with the Seattle running back core? They've got three guys who could get carries. The only one I trust is Rawls. They say he's rearing and ready to go. You know, Carson looked all right, but is he actually going to get touches over Lacey? I don't know. But you could make a case for anyone between 20 and 40 to actually start this week. Well, it's actually four guys, though, Bobby, because you have you have Eddie Lacy, you right. have Thomas Rawls, you have Chris Carson, and then you have CJ Procise. Like, honest to God, it wouldn't surprise me if Eddie Lacy gets cut. He looks yeah. he, he looks bad. He looks like he just looks like he's just not in football shape. And I know it's been an ongoing joke, but Eddie Lacy played as a bigger guy. Like he played well with the Packers, and he was always a bigger guy. But it now looks to the point where it's kind of sloppy big. Like he, it's just it's not working in today's NFL, and it's not working in that offense behind that offensive line. It's 
it's weird to me in that situation that CJ Procise didn't see a single target in that game. I think yeah. the, the Seattle Seahawks just blundered that game. It was a horrific game plan. They didn't expose the cornerbacks of Green Bay. Uh, it, it was a mess. I, I honestly, well, like, I think Demarius Randall's a pretty good football player. He was just hurt all last year. He was I mean, he was cut. one of the best shutdown corners two years ago. Oh, Gunther was cut. I'm sorry. It wasn't, it wasn't Randall. Gunther. You scared me to death. I thought I was making like the stupidest <laughs> take I've ever done. I mean, I've, I've made a few bad ones. Like the Stephen Morris one was bad. That was up to If list, Demarius yeah. Randall was cut, that would have been the worst take of all time. <laughs> I'm a Brad Kaya truther, so I can't say it's the worst take of all time. <laughs> oh, Kaya. Oh, man. That was supposed to be a big week four in the preseason. Um, yeah. But no, let, let's keep moving down the list. You said you don't like Amir Abdullah. I'm, I'm, this is my thing on him. Obviously, against the Cardinals, he struggled. What I do like is that they stuck with him. I'm I'm not opposed to starting him this week. I know the matchup's not great against the Giants, but let's not pretend that the Lions are going to be able to move the ball through the air against that secondary. So, you know, will Eli game script anybody out of the game? You know what I mean? Like Eli Manning looks so bad. And I mean, I wanted to say that I'll, I'll give him a pass last year. Maybe he just had a bad year. No, no. He looks toast. Brandon Marshall looks like he's toast. So where are the Jets going to blow Detroit out where Amir Abdullah won't get another 15 carries and could potentially break a, a long run because he we know that he has that ability. It's not Paul Perkins, by the way. It is not Paul Perkins. Oh, Paul Perkins. He, he didn't look great either, but it's weird. The Giants, I, I could go on a, on a tangent about what the Giants are doing and why it's not working and, and what they should be doing, but I'm not going to do that. But Amir Abdullah versus Bilal Powell. Jim, let's let's go right here. Let's, this is probably a sit start that people can have to decide between. Mm-hmm. Bilal Powell on a team, you mentioned it. They're going to have low team totals, like, you know, 15 points a week, which is just ridiculous. They're playing the Raiders this week. It's a, it's a good matchup for someone like him who is going, they're going to be down this game. He's going to see a lot of receptions. But do you start him over Amir Abdullah, who potentially has a, a much higher ceiling on that offense? Yeah, I think that's an interesting question. And I think if you would, I don't know, I guess the good thing with Abdullah is that he did get four targets in that game against Arizona. So even if things do, if they do trail, he's not totally out of the the the, the game plan. But I think the thing that worried me was that his snap rate was around 50% in a game that they won and led pretty much the entire way. And I assume that would be like the Amir, Amir Abdullah script on this team. So that kind of worries me a bit. So I think when you combine that with Snacks, Harrison being up front for the Giants, I might go Powell, and I hate Powell. I hate Powell in season long, and very rarely will I say Bilal Powell over Amir Abdullah, but I think I will buy a hair for this one. You know, I love Bilal Powell, but they're not going to give him the ball because freaking Matt Forte didn't get cut. (laughs) That was awesome to close the season, and they're not giving him the ball. I mean, we're talking about Oakland. Mike Clay came out and said that Oakland has the worst linebacker core in the NFL. That's bad for a run defense, so it it works well for Bilal Powell, but is he going to get 12 touches? I don't know. I I like his ceiling more than Abdullah, actually, because, you know, Abdullah is is stunted by Theoretic being there. Um, You know, he's not going to get the goal line carries and everything like that. Powell has a huge ceiling. We've seen him go for, you know, 160 yards two times in the past five games that he's played. But I don't know if he's going to get any work. I can't trust him this week. Yeah. Another player that we should throw in this range is Joe Mixon, uh, somebody who's in a real time share. I mean, I, I don't know what you want to do with him if you drafted him in the third or fourth round. I mean, if you listen to me this offseason, you weren't drafting Joe Mixon right. because we, this, we knew this was going to happen. Jim, I think you were one of the guys that agreed with me. Yes. And the fact that that we said we couldn't draft him because it's for the first four to six weeks, you're probably going to be sitting here no, not knowing who to play. And it, that's exactly the case. Joe Bernard was actually the one to play last week. Who would have thunk it? But looking at guys like Abdullah, like Powell, like Mixon, 
Would you start guys that you just got off the waiver wire over these guys? Guys like Kerwin Williams, who has a dream matchup against the Colts. Now, I know they signed. He's going to be a more of a timeshare than Mixon, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. They Well, the thing is, they signed Chris Johnson, but this is also a guy that they cut to keep guys like Elijah Penny, guys like Kerwin Williams, like guys like Andre Ellington on the roster. Mm-hmm. I don't really yeah. think that Chris Johnson scares me at all. It will be somewhat of a timeshare, but I think the game script fits Kerwin Williams this week or even Tarek Cohen. How do you feel about these guys compared to guys like, you know, the Powells, the Mixons of the world? I think I'd rather go Abdullah. Um, I think that like if we're talking about them against Joe Mixon, that's a different question because I hate Joe Mixon and I hate his situation. I hate his matchup. I hate his offensive line. Hate pretty much everything about him. So I would probably (laughs) use if it's a PPR league, I'd probably use Cohen over Mixon. And I'm not a huge Cohen guy because what's his upside in that offense? Um, but like if we're talking Kerwin Williams, that's tough because the Colts rush defense wasn't terrible last week against Todd Gurley. I know that Todd Gurley might actually just not be that good, but they look pretty good. So he's better than Kerwin Williams. Right. Exactly. Uh, so I think it might be more of an Andre Ellington type script if they do decide to air it out just a ton. And that's what worries me with Kerwin Williams. Yeah, for me, I've got a Cohen number 32, so I'm probably not starting him unless it's a deeper league and I really need someone at flex. I've got Joe Mixon at 35, and you guys know me. I love Joe Mixon, but if I'm a Mixon owner, I just want to go yell at Marvin Lewis. Like, what is he doing? (laughs) What in the world is he thinking? Like, if Mixon's not playing by week four, he should be fired because he's the best running back in that backfield, and this is bad against Houston. Even if he was starting against Houston, I'd have him right there around Mark Ingram range, like maybe startable. Um, and then I've got Kerwin Williams down at number 38. Yeah, I mean, I think Buck Allen is someone else we could throw in there, and he's got a great oh, matchup yeah. against Cleveland. Uh, you know, I'm pretty sure that I'd play Buck Allen over Joe Mixon this week. And 100%. I know that Me too, I know, me too. And, yeah, and that's the thing is I know some people out there don't want to bench Joe Mixon just because they spent such a high draft pick on him. But at the same time, you have to kind of let the situation play itself out. It's a horrible matchup on Thursday night. Houston's coming off a bad loss to the, Texas, or to the Jaguars, so it, it, it's a really tough matchup for Joe Mixon, who, by the way, he he didn't do himself any favors in week one either. You know, nine yards on eight carries. It was very Jeremy Hill-esque. Uh, and again, you know, Jim said it. The offensive line is is brutal. He needs to be used more in the passing game. And until Gio Bernard's snaps come down, Joe Mixon's not going to get the passing work that he needs in order to live up to, you know, RB2, yeah. RB3 numbers. So, but yeah, no, is there anybody, Jim, that you want to mention before we move on to wide receiver that if, if owners are desperate, that anybody should, should consider it running back? I mean, I would go Buck Allen over like, all those guys we talked about. I think I might use him over Amir Abdullah, to be fully honest. And I, I again, I like Abdullah as a talent. I might go Buck Allen over him, though. Um, so I think I'd go there. I think if it's like a Tevin Coleman type situation, I'd probably go him over. I mean, I'd go him over Mixon for sure. I'd go him over Amir Abdullah. I think that those are the guys. Like Buck Allen is pretty high for me this week to be fully, and that's scary. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in that offense with all the injuries they've had on the offensive line, that is scary. But I kind of don't hate him based on his snap rate and his carries last week. You know, was he only getting those snaps because they were up 20 points, though? I mean, I don't care. I mean, they had already given Terrence West 19 carries. So they were just like, well, what are we going to do? Give him 40 carries. So I think that's why Buck Allen was playing. They might be up 20 this week, too, against the Browns, though. Well, that's, yeah, the, thing. that's the, 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 the game script should favor him. But that's the thing. It was also a division game. And it's not like, a you know, three possessions is like a blowout throughout the entire game to get 21 carries. That's a lot of work. Uh, and honestly, he's, and he's going to fill like Danny Woodhead a lot of that role, right. because if you guys go back to 2015, Buck Allen, the thing that he did best was catch the ball out of the backfield. He wasn't yeah. a great one, two down back. So he may be the Danny Woodhead of this offense, which would be, you know, that flex territory. He had more touches than Le'Veon Bell. That's, that's oh, really saying something. I don't want to um, talk about it. A couple guys I'd pick up. Uh, Chris Carson. 
against San Francisco. Like, I, I don't want to deal with this Seattle uh, offense, but I think Carson has a pretty high ceiling against San Francisco this week. Uh, he looked pretty good, a lot better than Eddie Lacy. Um, and then I would also uh, pick up Jamal Charles. If you're in a real pinch, he'll probably be out there. I think the game script works better for him against Dallas because Dallas has a great run defense. Well, not great. It's not going to be as good as last year, but it's still probably top 10. And I think that he gets more work. If you look at how much he was on the field last week, Denver plans on using him and he's receiving back. He's the receiving back in that backfield. So uh, Jamal Charles, I'd be willing to bet he gets, you know, three to six receptions and he also gets his hands on five to eight touches or five to eight carries. Yeah, I was uh, writing up that game actually right before we came on. And my concern there is that the Cowboys last year held opponents to just 63 plays per game. Week one, it was just 53 plays. So they control the ball on a ball style offense. And Jamal Charles is clearly behind CJ Anderson. I think a guy that you might want to take a look at is someone like Chris Thompson, because just because Thompson, he's he's always going to have a role. Rob Kelly is just not good at football. Um, we've talked about that. We don't need to talk about it anymore. <laughs> we've, yeah. we've kind of beat that horse. Uh, so, I mean, Jamal Charles actually looked pretty solid in his debut. But I, again, he also didn't catch any passes, which is really weird, even with Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders kind of being shut down. So it was yeah. it was an interesting game plan for sure. Uh, I'd like to give it another week or two to trust Jamal Charles. Before we move on to wide receiver, I want to say one more thing about running backs. Uh, and it's Ty Montgomery is an obvious start every week from oh, here yes. on out oh, as far yeah. as I'm concerned. But, you know, Pro Football Focus graded him as the number one pass blocking running back last week. And that basically solidifies to me that he is a workhorse running back. He has got Jamal Williams pinned down, boxed out. <laughs> and I would move Ty Montgomery out to, uh, up to the top eight running backs at this point, just because I'm so confident this job is his in a great offense. He played 10 more snaps at running back than any other player in the league last week. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah, he, he did. He, exactly. He only missed, I want to say it was six snaps and it was because of an injury. He came out of the he game. I don't know yeah. if he was having cramps or something like that, but he came out of the game just for that. Like he is the workhorse yep. and I did my rest of the season rankings yeah. and I, I want to say he was my number eight running back. You know, Perfect. I said if he sold me on pass protection and, you know, he's passing the test so far, uh, he he is a lock to be in lineups every single week. I told five people on Twitter, try to trade T.Y. Hilton for Ty Montgomery. Uh, if somebody trade trades t- away. Ty stack? Yeah, if someone trades away uh, Ty Montgomery for T.Y. Hilton, they deserve to be kicked out of a league. <laughs> I don't know, man. I really think that they'd be willing to do it. I, I mean, if you can get it people, done, People are expecting it. luck to come back soon and be good. Uh, I mean, luck is going to be good when he comes back, but I'm, st- I'm it's an ominous situation with Andrew Luck yep. where, honestly, I do not expect to have him until at least week six. Correct. I would agree. Yeah. Okay, so I want to tell you all what DraftKings has going on this week. Week one is in the books, but it's not too late to get closer to the game you love with DraftKings One Week Fantasy Football. This Sunday, DraftKings is hosting a $100,000 Pick'em contest that is totally free to enter. Pick'em's the newest way to play one-week fantasy football. Drafting your team is faster than ever, and DraftKings has organized players into eight tiers. All you have to do is select one player from each tier, and the best part is you get to draft a new team each week without any commitment. All you have to do is use promo code FANTASYPROS to play in DraftKings' free contest with $100,000 in total guaranteed prizes this Sunday. That's promo code FANTASYPROS to compete for your share of $100,000 in total prizes. It's free, so why wouldn't you try it? That's DraftKings.com, code FANTASYPROS. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. So I was building my lineup right before the show, and I'm expecting Brandon Cooks to have a big showing against his former team. Uh, You all can compete for $100,000 with me for free over at DraftKings.com this weekend. Um, So let's move on over to wide receivers. Obviously, Brandon Cooks is a start, um, but I want to talk about Des Bryant on the road at Denver. This schedule 
is just brutal. I mean, I'm actually considering if I have him on my roster and I have some good wide receivers, I'd consider sitting Des Bryant this week. What about you, Jim? I probably would too. Um, I just hate using guys against Denver. I think it's it depends on how good your receivers are. But I think that it's just so hard to start guys against Denver. And I love Des for the season despite this this schedule. He had four targets in the end zone against Janoris Jenkins. He had two at least yeah. 16 yards downfield. Once he gets past this, Dez is going to be a beast, but he's not past this yet. So yeah, I agree. If you have good options, I have no problem sitting Dez this week. Yeah, Denver is a brutal matchup. If you go back and look at it, uh, <laughs> they have allowed just one wide receiver to top 77 yards since week one of last year. Whew. Like, like what? Um, Man, that's incredible. I mean, it is pretty incredible that they allowed two touchdowns uh, in week one. That that was something that was kind of unexpected because I want to say that there were just like a, a seven wide receiver touchdowns that they allowed the entire year last year. So it was something the, the the area that you could hang your hat on Des this week. I'm not opposed as opposed to Des as I was last week as I am this week, because this week I actually believe he could return wide receiver to value because the, the Broncos, they don't do shadow situations. So uh, Chris Harris Jr. stays in the slot and and Aqib Tlaib stays at left cornerback. Des Bryant typically lines up on the other side of the field, which means he will get Bradley Roby in coverage. And that's like the lesser, that's the lesser of all evils, right? Roby has been really good, but at the same time, Des Bryant, they can create mismatches if they want to. I think losing TJ Ward at safety, I think it hurts this defense more than people realize. I, I mean, when they when they cut Ward, it really blew my mind. I, I, I saw no sense in it. He didn't carry a massive salary. I think it was $4 million for the year. They weren't up against a cap that it just it it really made no sense to me and I think it's going to affect this defense more than people think uh so so me with Dez I do think that he can return wide receiver to value this week because Dallas can play the matchups here yeah I've got him number 24 so I'm starting him in almost every league but like if I have Jeremy Macklin against Cleveland I'd rather play him Randall Cobb at Atlanta yeah I'd rather play Randall Cobb so you know if you've got four of these wide receivers or three really good running backs I could see Des Bryant being on the bench so I want to talk about Terrell Pryor for a second, and I, I think a lot of people are going to be forced into playing him this week. But Jim, I don't know if you got a chance to see a lot of this Redskins game, game but going from the preseason where Terrell Pryor looked awful, he dropped, I think, three passes on seven targets. And then you get into week one where he had a good matchup against Philly's secondary, even with Ronald Darby. And then Darby went down early. I want to say it was in the second quarter of that game where his matchup just it couldn't have gotten much better. Not only did he not produce, but he dropped. It wouldn't have counted because it turned out that there was a penalty on the play, but it was a 50 yard bomb right in his hands. Like he didn't have a defender within a couple yards of him right in the end zone, just flat out dropped it. And then later in the game, I saw Kirk Cousins attempt to target him picked off. Terrell Pryor didn't even chase down the defender. He just looked like he just didn't care. And I, I, I hate to say that about players, but you go after a player for your quarterback. He just threw an interception. You chase that guy down. I think that there's a lot of things about Pryor. You know, some other parts of the game, it looked like he didn't track a ball very well in the air. And this all comes back to what I said before the season. My concerns about Terrell Pryor were that I think it was degrading to wide receivers around the world who have perfected their craft to expect someone just because they're a phenomenal athlete, because they're tall and because they could run fast, that they're going to dominate the wide receiver position. It didn't happen in week one. And I'm concerned going forward. What is your take on Terrell Pryor? Do people sit him? Do they play him? Where are you at on Terrell Pryor as a whole? I mean, it is a pretty tough matchup this week against Los Angeles. So it's not, you know, an easy situation. But I think there were good things with Pryor. And as you know, I mentioned this before, I was low on Pryor coming into the year. So based on his cost, I was out. But there were positives. Uh, he had 11 targets, which is yep. a huge number. No matter how good those targets are, 
11 targets is great. And you can eat based on that. And the other thing, too, is in order to drop a potential 50-yard touchdown, you got to get open first. And he did that, at least. So I think there were some positives there. So I'm not as low on prior as you are. I think the 11 targets, to me, are the big allure. Kirk Cousins, we know, can be an efficient quarterback. If uh, their left tackle's okay, I know he left the game for a couple of snaps in week one. It's, he came back in, so it looks like he's fine. And if their center, Chris Spencer, can stay healthy, I think this offense will get better. So I still like Terrell Pryor. They had a rough matchup last week against uh, Philadelphia's pass rush, which, which is amazing. So yeah. I'm actually okay with him, to be fully honest. I've got Pryor at 16. It's really not even close for me. I mean, you, you get 11 targets and you're that athletic. Uh, he's he's a must-start for me. Uh, the guy I want to talk about is your boy Martavis Bryant tags. Uh, he didn't get a lot of looks. Ben was off when he did get looks. Do you guys start him against Minnesota and hope he turns it around? I've got him at number 34, so like he could be a flex play, but I'd prefer not to play him, guys. I think that you're pretty spot on there, Bobby. I think that like I'm a bit nervous, but I will say this about Martavis. I am always more inclined to use him at home versus on the road because of the way the Steelers play offense at home. They're so efficient. And where does Martavis eat? He eats in the red zone. And they're going to generate more red zone opportunities when they're on when they're at home. So I always want to use him when he is at home. Xavier Rhodes probably going to be occupied with Antonio Brown. So it's not a great matchup for Martavis, but he's at home. They should move the ball again, even against a very good defense. So I think if you have to start him, it's not the end of the world. Um, but I, I think that he does get a big boost being at home. I like Trey Waynes too. I mean, Xavier Rhodes is top notch, but Trey Waynes is good. And Harrison Trey Smith Way- is there too. He could be beat though. Harrison Smith, yeah, he's a very solid safety, one of the best in the league. <laughs> Maybe the best, uh, yeah. But I will say it's either, it's going to be a mix of Trey Waynes and 39-year-old Terrence Newman. And if Who Marta- was great last year, by the way. He was great last year, but that's the thing. He's 39 years old, asked to be kept keeping up with Martavis Bryant, who's a physical specimen. And a guy who, again, this all comes back to the Steelers being at home. Ben Roethlisberger at home last year, guys. Like, I don't know if anybody realized how good he was there. He didn't total any less than 17.6 fantasy points, and he actually averaged almost 28 fantasy points at home. Xavier Rhodes, Xavier Rhodes is going to kind of see a lot of Antonio Brown. And while Antonio Brown can beat any cornerback in the league, it's a tougher matchup for him. So when you kind of you try and figure out where where all these points going to come from with Ben Roethlisberger, I think Martavis could have one of those blow up games. So am I starting him as as like a a wide receiver too, like confidently and saying, oh, 100 percent, he's just going to go off? No, I, I don't think that there's many players you can say that about for sure, but I think that he comes with some of the highest upside you could possibly get. So if you if you surround him with some other guys who are consistent in your in your lineup, Martavis should be in lineups as a minimum as a wide receiver three this week. I think Minnesota's going to go on the road and beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. I Ooh. love Minnesota's team. I picked them to come out of the NFC uh, to go into the Super Bowl before the season started, and I love what I saw in Week One, man. Adam Thielen, baby. He's yeah, sick. Thielen Diggs. Uh, that I mean, Sam Bradford was awesome. Their defense yeah. is incredible. Riley Reef was really good at left tackle. So uh, yeah, I'm so happy to see Sam Bradford succeeding. It's been a long thing. So if any of my home league guys are listening, it's been an ongoing thing because when Sam Bradford came into the league, I said he was going to be a top 12 quarterback. Like I liked him from a talent standpoint. And every single year we get together for our draft, and they all give me crap. Like, hey, remember that time you said Sam Bradford was going to be a top 12 quarterback? <laughs> Ha! <laughs> he did it for what one week. Now, Good guys. job, Jags. <laughs> no, I, I know, I know, no. Well, he did set the record for completion percentage last year. So, I mean, we're on yep. the right track here. We're moving in the right direction. Stefan Diggs is healthy. Adam Thielen has earned his way into some more targets. Kyle Rudolph's there. Like, there's just so many things to get excited about. And yeah, Minnesota. 
it's a team to uh, definitely contend with Green Bay for the division. Two guys that are starts for me here that uh, I don't think a lot of people are talking about. John Brown actually led the team in targets, and he looked pretty good. And Corey Davis, I know he's going uh, against that Jaguars defense that was awesome last week, but they were awesome because they played Houston's abysmal offensive line and Tom Savage. And I think Deshaun Watson was even worse, and he's dealing with an ankle injury now. But uh, I trust Corey Davis. They got him out there. They got him eight targets last week, and... Um, I just think he's a guy that can be a top 30 wide receiver in this league from the get-go now that he's you know out there healthy getting targets. So I'm playing him even against the Jaguars. Yeah, you're talking about John Brown uh, in there as well. And John Brown had an 80% snap rate more than that. And when you consider the biggest concerns for me around John Brown, it was snap rate. And to see him play that much against Detroit, to me, said yeah. he is a must-start this week against the Colts. And mm-hmm. I was worried about him pretty heavily with that health. And I know that Carson Palmer looked cooked, which does affect Brown a lot more than other guys because of the the nature of his play. But we've seen Jared Goff, Nick Foles, Alex Smith, Trevor Simeon eat against the Colts without Vontae Davis. Mm -hmm. There is no way I am sitting John Brown this week if I I can afford to put him in there. One player that I want to compare to him, if you have John Brown and Sammy Watkins on a team, who are you starting this week? Because Sammy Watkins is probably going to line up against Josh Norman. Uh, for a majority of the snaps, whereas John Brown against this Colts team without they, they don't have David Johnson to just kind of take away all that upside. Who would you start, John Brown or Sammy Watkins? I've got Brown 25, Watkins 26. It's really close, but it's Brown. Yeah, I don't know. It's really close. Um, I might go Watkins there with Norman not shadowing last week against uh, Terrell mm-hmm. Pryor. So I don't know. I think it's close. I'd probably go Sammy Watkins by a hair, but they're both okay. very close to me. I had somebody, uh, a, a couple people on Twitter actually say, man, I can't believe you got Sammy Watkins so wrong. It was one week and he was in the top 30 in wide receiver yards. And, uh, you know, he was drafted as the number 26 wide receiver. So I don't really understand like why Sammy Watkins had such a bad week. He was like four yards behind Amari Cooper. He just didn't get the touchdown. And, uh, you know, it was his first week with the offense after being traded to the team like three weeks ago. So chill Sammy Watkins haters. <laughs> his schedule doesn't get any easier, though. That's the issue with him is that his schedule is it's not quite as bad as Dez's, but it, it's close. Yeah, it's not it's not quite as bad as Amari Cooper. So Amari Cooper has a harder schedule. Eh, I mean, in terms of total defense, maybe, but not cornerback wise. But going, let's talk about someone who has an awesome matchup this week and someone who kind of let down a lot of people last week. I was not high on Chris Hogan coming Still into not. the season. But here's the thing. We're now at the point where there are so many names missing from the wide receiving core there. He has to be more involved because, you know, we talked about it before the season, Bobby. I know you and I were on the same page with him is that he played tons of snaps last year. Like he was the second highest in the team behind Julian Edelman last year. So he was seeing plenty of snaps. He just wasn't getting targeted. Same thing kind of happened in week one. But now that we have Danny Amendola looking like he's doubtful for this game, Malcolm Mitchell's on IR. Are you really going to trust Philip Dorsett to score these points? Because we know Tom Brady is going to score. To throw three or four touchdowns this week, don't we? Yeah. And Chris Hogan. No. I don't know. The, the good thing about Chris Hogan, though, is that he played a lot in the slot last week, too, which means that he could potentially have that Amendola-type role for this week. I know it's not a given, but the only good thing about Chris Hogan is he had four targets at least 16 yards downfield, which was the most on the Patriots. He played a lot in the slot. Again, he did have the high snap rate. So against this New Orleans defense, which Sam Bradford just torched, throwing a deep to Adam Thielen... I think he could do the same with Chris Hogan. So I adore Chris Hogan for this week, and I think that he is a huge bounce-back candidate, and I am firing him up wherever I can. 
Yeah, I think DFS, he's one of the better DFS plays this week. Yes. People are going to be down on him after last week, but the targets have to go somewhere. And uh, I mean, Brandon Cooks is obviously a must start, um, but Chris Hogan, I don't think is a bad start by any means. I think Hogan's the number three on this offense, you know, because you've got Gronk as well. I'd rather have Marquise Lee, who's the number one and plays against a worse pass defense, in my opinion. I'd rather have the, the Saints pass defense than what Tennessee's thrown out there. So you'd start Marquise Lee over Chris Hogan? I would. I'd start Kendall Wright over Chris Hogan as well. Wow. I, I can't put any faith in the Bears offense. I, I, I just don't think that there's... The I can't put offense. any faith in the Jaguars offense either, but That's true. <laughs> I mean, at least they're, at least Chris... I'm sorry. At least Marquise Lee and Kendall Wright are not the number three, maybe number four option on the offense. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've got so many guys to pass it to. Kendall Wright's snap rate was still low last week. It weekend. was awful. I know that they, Kevin yeah. White was, was out eventually, but like... I have no faith in it. Like they, they didn't play in snaps even when Cam Meredith got hurt. So I really cannot use Kendall Wright. It's so weird that the Bears didn't have him out there in two. Yeah, Deontay right. Thompson was playing more snaps than him, which I don't know if that continues uh, right. now with Kevin White hurt. I'm, I'm guessing things will change because what are you going to do? Josh Bellamy and Deont- Deontay Thompson out there in two wide receiver sets. I, d- I don't see that happening. So I think they need to figure out what they're doing because Tariq Cohen can play out of the slot. Uh, pretty well Uh, but again we're talking about like these wide receiver threes that come with some risk we know that Hogan comes with some risk but again the offense is is there Marquise Lee comes with plenty of risk the matchup is great Uh, that's why I thought Marquise Lee versus Chris Hogan was a good question I'd take Hogan just because I think that the the reward is greater they both have risk uh, but I'll take the greater reward but one player I want to ask you before we touch on quarterbacks tight ends Corey Coleman guys he he looked great with Kaiser in the preseason it looks like these two have developed a, a relationship for all those people that said Kenny Britt was was the guy to to own here not gonna say I told you so but I told you so uh <laughs> I, I never liked Kenny Britt I've, I've never been a Kenny Britt guy Corey Coleman granted I didn't say that he was necessarily the guy I didn't know if anybody would be here but I mean is it, is it impossible to or is it possible to say that he's a top 30 wide receiver for the rest of the season and do you like him against Baltimore this week Jim yeah I like him rest of season because he kind of fits the mold for Deshaun Kaiser of just chuck it and pray which is good for <laughs> fantasy uh but for this week I'm worried the offense as a whole could struggle. Uh, Deshaun Kaiser took seven sacks last week, and this Baltimore front seven is very good. They killed Andy Dalton, essentially. I'm worried that offense could be horrendous this week, which is why Baltimore is a great defense to stream or use in DFS. I think that for this week, I'm out on Coleman. The rest of the season, I think that top 30 is with very much within the realm of possibilities. I'd rather have Corey Davis rest of the season. I do like Coleman rest of the season, but um, yeah, I have Coleman out this week as well at Baltimore. Like if I'm reaching for somebody, if I'm really desperate and need a wide receiver, I'm looking at Cooper Cup. He's still out there in a lot of leagues. He goes against Washington, who's a horrible pass defense. Like you said, uh, Josh Norman might be on Sammy Watkins. And if he is, Cup could get the Zach Ertz treatment where he just gets fed with all those targets in place of him. Um, if I'm really desperate, J.J. Nelson against the Colts. We saw the Colts gave up 46 points to the Rams last week. And I know some of that was defensive touchdowns and everything. But, uh, you know, J.J. Nelson continues to get on the field. He was really good at the end of last season. And if you're desperate, I think he could do the trick. The only issue with him is that his snap rate was really low. He's running well behind Jerron Brown. I know he got more targets than Jerron Brown did. But the fact that he's he's out he's like the number four receiver on the depth chart they're not going to need to go four wide against the Colts very often that's my concern that's why I think John Brown is the play this week I, I know what you mean yeah. JJ Nelson's like a, a boomer bust every single week I just don't they're think- also going to run the ball about half as much as they used to with David Johnson <laughs> right that, that, that might be true but no I think that can we make an announcement right here too because I've received some questions on this if Corey Davis is out there on your waiver wire I mean I know it's past that time you should spend all your budget to get him 
I mean, I mean, you don't find wide receivers like him on the waiver wire. Some people were telling me he was out there, and I'm like, why is he not owned in every league? I I just wanted to. Yeah, make we didn't that, even talk about him because it's like, why would he not be owned? I, I just want to make that a PSA. Like, I just don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't get it. Uh, now, real quick, I want to. The last wide receiver I'm going to throw out there is Ted Ginn. Uh, Ted Ginn against New England. Okay. Uh, you know, Michael Thomas is going to receive the number one treatment from the Patriots. Is Ted Ginn a solid streamer here? Yeah, I've got him at number 33. I'm starting him in every single league. Nice. Yeah, I mean, if you look back to last year, the Saints faced four defenses that were in the top half of the league, including Denver and Seattle pre-Earl Thomas injury. And Drew Brees still averaged over 300 yards per game against them. He had 23.35 points per game on FanDuel per game against those defenses. So even if New England gets better with the second week of Stephen Gilmore, I'm still firing up every saint that I have. It's Drew Brees at home, baby. So yeah, Ted Uh Ginn's fine. Love it. Yeah. Also, Deshaun Jackson, he's probably going to get some rushes even uh, there against Chicago this week. And I bet they use him quite a bit. Oh, yeah, he should. The Bears, the new safety combo of Eddie Jackson. And um, uh, I'm forgetting the other guy's name right now. But yeah, it's a new combo. They don't know each other very well. So they're susceptible to the big play. Deshaun Jackson. I like Jackson for DFS. For sure. I think he's one of those. I think I I wrote in my article, the primer that'll be out tomorrow, Thursday, uh, is that if you're sitting there trying to decide between Deshaun Jackson and another wide receiver three, go with Deshaun Jackson. Yep. Yep. Okay, guys, quarterbacks, then we'll move on to tight ends before we close it off. Um, Russell Wilson is playing against San Francisco this week. How should we feel about him now, Tags? I mean, would you start him over like Sam Bradford at Pittsburgh this week? <laughs> it's a real question. It's sad, but it's a real question. Yes, I, I would start Russell Wilson over Sam Bradford. Pittsburgh's defense is better than some people think, but San Francisco is just... Well, they just lost Stephon to it, by the way. Well, he apparently... He, there's a chance he might play this week, which is like... What? He, went, he went from like potentially out for the year with a torn biceps, but they the, after further testing, they're saying there's a chance he plays this week, which is just... It's, it's nuts. Uh, but at the same time, Russell Wilson, I wrote last week, he always starts the year slow over his week yeah. one like this is his, this is his sixth year I want to say uh, every year he has never scored more than 18 fantasy points in the first week so I don't know if it's just opening day jitters I don't know but I would start Russell Wilson over Sam Bradford Jim are you concerned about Wilson uh yes because of their left tackle George Fant being out that was huge last week but the thing about that matchup versus this one is that the Packers even last year, had a very good pass rush. So I kind of worry about Russell Wilson in those situations. But and, and San Francisco is building towards that. With the draft picks they've made the last couple of years, they will probably have yeah, they are. a very good defensive line very soon. But for right now, with Russ Wilson at home, I am okay with him in this matchup. Yeah, I love DeForest Buckner there for the 49ers. I think he's a big breakout candidate this year on the defensive line. I've got Russell Wilson at number eight, and I've got Mm -hmm. Bradford at number 10. So it's weird that it's actually this close, especially with Wilson's matchup. But their offensive line, man, it is bad. It is really bad. Yeah, it's horrendous. Uh, Real quick, Dak Prescott, is he being undervalued uh, in terms of like he's been a consistent quarterback ever since? And, you know, if you take away his week one, like the first start of his career against the Giants last year, there's been just two games in his career where he scored fewer than 17 fantasy points. The Giants took away Des Bryant last week. He still scored 17 fantasy points. Is he an okay guy to start? Let's say, so Jim, here's my question to you. Let's say you have Dak Prescott, someone dropped Carson Palmer, who's going against the Colts. Who do you start between the two this week? I would hold Dak Prescott, try to keep him on my bench, but I would rather start Carson Palmer just because of the matchup. And I don't start anybody against Denver. And Carson Palmer, I know the concerns are there and they're legitimate, but 
against the Colts, it's kind of like the Saints, to be full honest. If you got the bullet, you're firing it. And that's kind of my mindset. So I would go Palmer over Dak just because of the matchups. I would start Aaron Rodgers against Denver any game. I would consider Matt Ryan, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Andrew Luck against Denver. I'm not starting Mm -hmm. anyone else against Denver. So I've got Dak Prescott at number 21 this week. I've got Carson Palmer at number nine. So that one's not even close to me. Wow. I I, I thought it would be closer. uh, And bring on the Dak Prescott hate on Twitter, by the way. I've been getting a lot of it. (laughs) Dak, Eli Manning, Tom Brady, all you you guys hate me because, you know, I don't like your team's quarterback. I'm sorry, guys. I I like Dak, just not this week. To be fair, Dak belongs in that conversation with those elite guys. Like, I think he's, I think he is an elite quarterback of the future. He just got, and the thing is, he's doing it with some limited talent at wide receiver and tight end like Jason Witten is he's good but he's not Jason Witten of like 10 years ago mm-hmm. um yeah so I mean I'm I can't wait to see Dak in the future but another player that we've heard a lot about Andy Dalton uh you know he four interception performance against the Ravens would you guys start you know obviously he's got a tougher matchup on Thursday night this week against Houston would you start someone like Jay Cutler or Alex Smith over him Oof. uh probably not Cutler um I don't know. Cutler scares me a lot in that offense. So I probably wouldn't use Cutler, but I might do Smith. The thing that concerns me with Dalton is that Houston's defensive front is very good. And I think that but with that offensive line being what it is, Dalton can still be a very usable fantasy quarterback. And I think he will be, but I want to wait until he's not facing elite front sevens. Right. And yeah. Houston has that. So for this week, I'm off of Dalton, but going forward, I will be back on him in the future. I'd start Alex Smith over him. I'd start Jay Cutler over him. I'd start Jared Goff over him against Washington. I'd start Blake Bortles over him against Tennessee. I'm not starting Andy Dalton <laughs> in two quarterback leagues this week. I don't think it's that bad because I, I mean, I do think that he's going to be a serviceable quarterback this week. I'd probably start Alex Smith over him, uh, but don't panic, guys. Don't panic just yet. It's it's one week. You know, bad weeks are going to happen, especially when you're playing elite defenses like like Baltimore, like Houston. So. Just, just relax in Andy Dalton. You know, I, I think we'll still get there, guys. Yeah, I love Andy Dalton, but no, not this week. Not against Houston. Sorry, guys. Yeah, no, it's it's not a great week. Uh, instead of talking about Eli Manning, let's just get to some tight ends because I don't cool. want to talk about Eli Manning anymore. <laughs> um, all right, guys. Zach Ertz, you know, he was the biggest winner from the Jordan Matthews trade. I, I, you know, I was all over. I didn't like Ertz before they before they traded away Jordan Matthews. But once they it's did, why they traded Matthews, I think it kind of he kind of fills that role. Right. I mean, whenever Jordan Matthews has been out, Zach Ertz just dominates. So is he now a must play every week or do you guys think it was more like a matchup uh, last week against the Redskins that just suited? his abilities. Yeah, I think that he's a good high weekly floor guy because of the targets. So that's that's what I love about uh, Zach Ertz. And I think this week tells him a bunch that he's facing the Chiefs without Eric Berry. So usually the Chiefs are a team where I will downgrade tight ends. This week, I think it's kind of neutral. So I think Ertz is fine this week. I think in general, he'll have a high floor and not many tight ends have that. So Ertz is a, a fine play for me. His ECR right now is tight end number five for the week. And Kansas City was the best team against tight ends last year. You mentioned Eric Berry's gone, so that does mm-hmm. change things. I've got him at number nine, and this is the worst it's going to be all year. Here, he just gets too many targets. Yeah, this yeah, this is a week where I don't know how things happen. I, I I went back and looked at the Chiefs defense when Eric Berry missed some time, and they allowed a lot more touchdowns than they did in the years with Berry, where they allowed eight touchdowns in the year Berry didn't play much, and then in the two years since they allowed four touchdowns and then two touchdowns last year. So Eric Berry is a big cog in that machine. So this is this is another area where the the slot cornerback uh, Philip Nelson out for the year, or he's on IR, whatever. So Stephen Nelson is taking over there. 
or I might have a flip-flop there. But basically, they're they're playing with their backup slot corner. They're playing a backup safety. It's not a great I mean, it's a great matchup for Zach Ertz again. I am concerned that Andy Reid will make adjustments to slow down that position. But at the same time, don't forget, this is these are two coaches that know each other really well. Doug Peterson and the Eagles, he he comes from the Andy Reid coaching tree. So these two are playing against each other. That's they true. know each other extremely well. So I'm I'm a little puzzled on Zach Ertz this week. I don't know how to feel about him. But yeah, I think he's a low-end tight end one. Uh, but one player, Bobby, would you start over... Would you start Tyler Eifert, who had one target last week? I don't that know. That was nuts. Yes, I'm starting Tyler Eifert. I'm starting Tyler Eifert. He's my number eight tight end. And I know they go against Houston, but I mean, it's Tyler Eifert. You can take that one game, and if you throw it in the ocean of things, he still has 18 touchdowns in the last 22 games. He's a starter. Agreed. Jim, what, what's your take on Eifert? Why did he see one target? Baltimore is not bad. I think that's probably the best reason that I can give. And I, I think that the thing that concerns me with Eifert this week a bit is I I tie tight ends so heavily to quarterbacks and if I'm worried about Dalton this week it would worry me about, about Eifert too but I still think he rebounds this week so I think Eifert's fine I think that he is comparable to Ertz uh, so but I think the upside that you get with Eifert due to his presence in the red zone to me makes him a pretty solid player for this week I'm not like starting over like a Kyle Rudolph type guy or, or someone like that. But I think that Eifert's totally fine. I've had a lot of people asking me if Eric Ebron's droppable um, just because he had one bad week and Kenny Galladay happened to get two touchdowns on four receptions. I still love Eric Ebron this year. I still have him as a top eight tight end for the rest of the season. Uh, but Jim, do you feel different? Do you think Eric Ebron is droppable? So Jason Witten last week against the Giants had nine targets and a touchdown, Mm -hmm. and now they're facing Eric Ebron, and he was facing the Cardinals last week, who basically just swallow tight ends whole. Ebron, I'm a bit more worried about the targets than I was before. Maybe the floor won't be as high, but I still think that he'll be able to get enough volume in this game to be viable. So no, I would not drop Eric Ebron. I think he's a pretty decent start this week. So yeah, I'm still okay with Ebron right now. I agree. Ebron's one of my favorite starts to tight end this week. I think he makes for a solid. Uh, and again, it's always going back to these guys that, that struggled the week before. They're going to be lower owned in DFS. People are not going to want to start him in season long leagues. But a guy like Eric Ebron, he was actually one of the most consistent tight ends in fantasy football last year. If you go back and, and look through the, the boom bust and everything in between I did this offseason, he was like the only tight end who had one game with fewer than, uh, I think it was eight PPR points or seven PPR yeah. points, whatever it was. So Ebron was actually really solid. He never, he didn't score touchdowns, which obviously hampered his ceiling, but things can change in, in re- relatively fast in the NFL. The, the big thing for Ebron with me was that he was out there for basically all the snaps, as many as basically a tight end can be out there for. So he's healthy. And again, they are going against the Giants who have some of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. They really struggle over the middle of the field. So I'm with Jim here. I think that Ebron's a a solid play this week. You know, if I'm desperate, um, I want to start Cameron Brait. He's available in every single league, and he was utilized so much at the end of the year. I know they've got O.J. Howard, but they're running a lot of two tight end sets, and Winston loves passing the ball to Brait. Um, He was just so efficient when he did get the ball thrown his way last year. So uh, Cameron Brait, I think you can rely on him in week one if you're desperate for a tight end. What about Charles Clay? He's a start for me. Jim, I don't know if you saw my tweet on Charles Clay and what he's done the last uh, four games with with, uh, with Tyrod Taylor starting, but it's pretty ridiculous. Like 260 yards, five touchdowns, 22 receptions, like massive numbers. Uh, he's like he's the their only number guy. one, right? Is he their number one receiver? Maybe. Like he's the only guy that Tyrod is familiar with in the re- entire receiving core. He's got, you know, Zay Jones. He's got Jordan Matthews from outside. Even Andre Holmes, he's from outside. So it's the only guy that he really knows through, that he's throwing to. 
Yeah, I think that my concern with Clay is that I like to tie my tight ends to good offenses. It's the exact same thing I do at running back. I want to make sure they have a chance to score touchdowns. And I know Buffalo was fine last week, but the Jets are kind of an outlier in, you know, talent and stuff like that. So he'll he'll get targets, which is great. But like if we're comparing Clay to a guy like Kyle Rudolph, they're both going to get targets. They're both Rudolph led tight ends and targets last year. And Clay Rudolph's offense is going to be better. So I I have reservations about Clay. If you can get something for him in a trade, I am totally fine with that. I'm okay selling high because he's probably not going to have a better matchup than he had in week one against the Jets rest of the season. The targets will be there, but I'm worried about touchdown upside, which I need for my tight end. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. I'm, he's my number 11 right now, so I think that's I've got fair. him playing. How do you guys feel about Austin Hooper? Uh, I know, obviously, he had a massive game fantasy-wise, but... He had a massive at, play. It, yeah, it was a bit hollow because he only saw two targets total. You know, he got he got two catches for 128 yards and a touchdown. But how do we feel about him going forward? Is he someone that people should start to trust? Do you think that he earned some trust in that game against the Bears? It was no. just, you know, Atlanta was another team that the game plan just seemed awful against the Bears. Like, they didn't utilize their best weapons on offense. Julio Jones saw, I think it was just six targets uh Sarkeesian came out after the game and said yeah we didn't use him nearly enough like that was it was wrong Austin Hooper didn't see his two targets I want to say those weren't until the fourth quarter uh so he wasn't on the stat sheet before then so what do you guys do with Austin Hooper right now I I don't trust him anymore in fact I trust him less after that game I know it was a nice game I had him in a couple GPP lineups and that that helped out but Austin Hooper I'm not going to start him any week even in a high uh scoring matchup like the the Green Bay Packers this week until we see that he gets more targets. So he's my number 15. I've still got Hunter Henry above him at number 14 against the Dolphins at home. Yeah, I think that Hooper is a good illustration of the difference between DFS and season long. Like, I'll still use him in DFS because his offense will score points. You just want that touchdown upside. But for season long, I focus way more on targets, and he's probably not going to get a whole lot of those. I, I agree. I'm lower on him now than I was before, despite that one huge play. The snap rate was still good, though, which is why I can stomach him in, in DFS. But for season long, I, I wound up dropping him in a 16-team league this past week. So that's kind of where I'm at with him, essentially. I th- I'm okay moving on if you have better options. All right. And can I make an announcement before we shut this thing down that Antonio Gates breaks the record uh, this week? I said last week it was my hot take of the show that Antonio Gates outscores Hunter Henry. And I didn't think that both of them would stink, but they did. But here's the here's the thing. The Dolphins last year. Here is a list of the tight ends who saw more than five targets. And along with their PPR point finishes, Martellus Bennett played them twice, 22.4 and 12.3. Gary Barnage, 11.6. Delaney Walker, 17.6. Antonio Gates, 16.3. Vance McDonald, 10. Dennis Pitta, 30 points. Charles Clay, 28.5. It's just an ongoing thing. I'm going to be posting this in my article. You guys will be able to check it out. Uh, But I am calling Antonio Gates to finish as a tight end one this week and uh, that he scores one, if not two touchdowns to break the record in the Chargers First game at home. All right. I like it. That's a sweet call, man. I like that. Except Hunter Henry's going to be the one getting all those targets. <laughs> <laughs> Bobby, you will never quit. And I actually referenced you in this article. So look forward to Good. <laughs> Good. I'm looking, looking forward to Hunter Henry scoring three touchdowns here. Break, breaking his own record. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that's all the time we have uh, for today's show. If you guys want to hit us up on Twitter with more questions, uh, we'll try to get to as much as we can. Obviously, if a baby comes, I won't be answering many questions, but you can find Mike on Twitter at Mike Tagliar NFL. And Jim, where can they find you on Twitter? I am at Jim Sanes, J-I-M-S-A-N-N-E-S. All right, Jim. Well, we really appreciate you coming on. It was uh, It was fun chatting and good luck this week. Yeah, thank you. And the same to you guys as well and everyone listening. Good luck in week number two. Thanks.
And for those of you listening at home, we still have the signed David Johnson jersey from pristineauction.com. All you have to do to submit an entry for that is subscribe and review us on iTunes and send a screenshot to contest at fantasypros.com. We're going to be drawing a name here in the next couple weeks. I also want to say thanks again to the sponsors of today's show, DraftKings and SeatGeek. Make sure to check them out and support the sponsors of today's show. For Mike Tagliere, I'm Bobby Sylvester. Thanks for listening and enjoy your football. I just wanted you to watch me dissolve.